0: Welcome to the Critical
1: Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Dr. Rapici, pleasant evening to you. Dr. Pleasant Falk, evening to you. a good evening to you, sir. Good How evening are you? to you. I'm doing well. Uh, we're back. We're back in black on the Critical Media Studies Podcast. Yes, we and are. And we're talking about, and we're doing more ant stuff, right? We're doing That's more it. actor network theory stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about an essay 1991, 92? 91. 93? 91. Essay by John Law. It's basically his polemical. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's polemical, but it is a statement. His meaningful um, introduction to um, an anthology called "A Sociology of Monsters. And in it, John Law is trying to, and we will, I think, be trying to do this as well in this episode. Uh, He's trying to, the, the purpose, he's editing this particular anthology, A Sociology of Monsters. And his roster of writers includes, you know, I didn't check to see the proportion of it, but I'm assuming there are some actor network theory people in it, some historians of science in it, and some sociologists in it. And in his introduction, he is, correct me if I'm wrong, trying to come up with a framework. Um, he's to, Actually, it's a kind of difficult task, is the more I think of it. He's trying to come up with a framework where he addresses, um, he's trying to come up with a framework that's big enough for sociologists to enter for historians of science to enter. And uh what is what is, what's the other one? I guess STS is historians science, of science technology. and technology. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe those two groups. He's trying to build a frame big enough uh that um the sociologist and the so- science and technology scholar, the potential ant person, can have a conversation Mm -hmm. and can sort of work together in a mutually uh, accepting way, a mutually supportive way. And, and, and there's a little bit of a goal, but he's assuming he's writing in 1991. There's a little bit of a gap. Yeah. I think what he's
0: sensing as he's writing is that these are two fields, sociology and STS Mm -hmm. that have much to say that is beneficial to, you know, mutually beneficial, but that there's a gap. And that's the, I I think- He's trying to
1: fix the gap or trying to address the- I think he's trying to define the gap gap. and then see
0: how it is that these two can work together- Together, To bridge the gap. And so I wanna, uh, just for, you know, maybe the sake of starting us out, I asked Barry right before we started recording, I I said, I'm going to give you the same sentence over again, right? So the question that I gave Barry was, okay, finish this statement. In this essay, Law is looking at sociologists and STS folks. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to think about how these two come together so that we can more effectively... Examine what? And I thought that your answer was fantastic. And this is the why I want to bring it. So, do you want to say, would you like to rehash the answer?
1: Or I would like to. We'll go to I would very much like to. Can I? That is the question. Because when Michael first asked me this question, there were a lot of ums and uh, a lot of going for the door. And I re- reached for a drink and all these type of things. But I'm going to try to. But now that you're situated, now that that I've had my drink, um, I'm going to just sort of roll it out there. And I'll try and answer the question, Michael, because it's an excellent question. Um, I'll try to answer the question by first talking about what he perceived. I'm going to try to follow what law himself does. I think he opens up by saying, hi, Mr. Sociologist or Ms. Sociologist. Hi. STS person, um, you may not think you have in science and technology studies. I'm not going to say. It, let me make sure that I clearly defined it. I think you mentioned mentioned it earlier, but let's do that. Science and technology studies, right? Science that's technology. The other group. Yeah. Excuse me. Scholar studies. That's the STS. That STS so is science, technology, and society. Oh, and I think that's well, I'm the glad first. I was, yeah, yeah, and
0: that's that's the first. I think tip of the okay. hat that hey these two have something and his opening argument is, Hey, yeah. STS folks, Hey, sociologist folks, I've got a foot in each
1: camp. Yes. He has. A, yeah. Thank you. That's where he's going. I mean, uh, that's what allows him. The, that's what gives him the rhetorical anchor fulcrum to address the two camps. Cause he right. has a, a, a foot in both camps. Um, And what I was about to do and you anticipated is I said, Uh, because he has a foot in two camps, he starts, uh, his rhetoric is admirable, right? You're a rhetoric teacher. You understand this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, His rhetoric is admirable. He has a foot in both camps. And so he begins by talking about the common ground that he perceives between the two camps. And then I think he will move to a place where both groups, both camps need to do a little bit of learning. So let me now uh, w- under that general rubric. Let me fill in some details. So, what's the common ground um, between STS and sociology? Common ground, as he sees, and he's writing at, that he sees as he sees it, and he's writing in 1991. So uh, this is the uh, this is the age where Michel Foucault is. Uh, king and master of the universe in, um, certainly in the human sciences and increasingly, even in the social sciences, I guess this is the apex of uh, Foucault's authority. So in a word, power and knowledge is, uh, and power and knowledge and the ways in which they intersect. Um, Defining power and knowledge Defining power and discourses, and discourse, and their points of intersection is what he sees in a ge- in general is what law sees in general as the common ground uh, of both, or could be the common ground for both sociological studies and STS. Um, in particular, the word the the dreaded philosophical e word epistemology. Mm-hmm both sociologists and STS are vitally concerned with questions, with the philosophical question of how we know what we know. But it's not just that. And here's where Foucault comes in. Um, And also where law will leave him behind, Uh, that's gonna become clear in a moment. But where Foucault comes in is law assumes, that epistemology is never going to be quite enough, that questions of knowledge are always already questions of power. And so that as soon as you start asking the epistemological question, and especially once you ask the epistemological question of science, and you're thinking about science, how scientists know what they know, and how and the effects of their knowledge on society, then you're kind of raising Foucauldian questions that uh, even as sociologists aren't friendly to Foucault, they he feels that they're they're trying to explore the, they're exploring the same area that Michel Foucault is doing in books is exploring in books like uh, Discipline and Punish and even the history of sexuality. This idea that discourses of knowledge always have effects on persons as they circulate through society. So that's common ground. Now, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll shut up after I say what he wants. So this is something, this could be, there's already a discussion going on. There's some mutuality going on according to law in sociology circa 1991 um, and uh, with STS scholars in the early 90s. And that has to do with the fact that they're all asking questions and trying to receive answers, trying to develop substantial answers to the question of how do power and knowledge circulate in society? So far, so good. But one of the things that Law is doing in this essay, even though he is an actor network theorist, I think he's asking this question about actor network. In fact, I know. He's, uh, because we discussed it before, he's asking this question, not only of the sociologists, but of the uh, science and technology and society scholars as well, uh, for the ant uh, theorists as well, the ant scholars as well. He's asking the question of ethics. He's posing, and this is where he breaks from Foucault, because Foucault um, I mean, we could have a long footnote and no- or a whole other episode, but, and we're not, uh, at least not soon, uh, where, you know, whether or not Foucault uh, ends up um, uh, sort of redefining and returning to the question of ethics in his last books. But just bracketing that off, the Foucault who's interested in power, bracket uh, that question off for now, the Foucault who's really interested in um and who is writing productively about the intersection of power and knowledge and how these, how discourses of power slash knowledge. Remember, he, he, uh, he puns in French, right? Pouvoir, savoir. So he, he never talks about knowledge in isolation and he never talks about power in isolation. He talks about pouvoir, savoir. So, you know, power and knowledge are this kind of, you know, uh, they're themselves a network, right? So, um, so far, so so Foucauldian. But where law breaks from Foucault is that he asks the question of distribution, and um, we're probably going to talk a little bit more about what he means by the question of distribution. But I'll I'll sign off here uh, by by quickly saying that um, I th- I think in a word or two. What he means by distribution, by raising the question of distribution to both sociologists and STS um, scholars, what he wants to do is raise the question of the ethics. Like, what is it just? Not just how does power, Foucault asked the question and law feels that both the epistemologists, the sociologists, And STS scholars are very interested in this question of um, power, knowledge, epistemology and how power knowledge circulates in society. But Foucault was famously disinterested in the question of ethics, social justice, activism. Mm -hmm. And law, I think, wants to raise these fundamentally ethical questions about is it right that certain groups have a monopoly on power and knowledge? And is it quite- wrong uh to that other people are denied access? He wants to ask the question of equity. Sorry. And I think that's what this article is. About. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I have a question about that. Sure. I think
0: that what's happened is that by 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 marrying sociology and STS,
1: mm-hmm
0: he's found a way that he can ask that question about ethics and provide an answer about how such a thing is done. And, and that's, an, that's an, that, uh, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I think, well, okay, well, where, you know, you, how, how do these pieces lie? If, if this is what he's doing, what, what's the end game for him? And I think that's a part of it. And so, um you know, I asked that question what is it exactly that he's trying to examine here? And the uh, the too long, didn't read version of this, right? is he's looking at power and knowledge, social relations, and the uneven distribution of the resources that, that yeah. we have. And your answer dovetails very nicely with what he says. He says, we've got three fundamental questions that the volume tries to answer. The first is a problem of epistemology right? The second is the problem about how to characterize, these are his words, how to characterize the stuff that binds society together. Those mm-hmm. are our social relations. And mm-hmm. then the problem of distribution, which is to me an interesting question, mm-hmm. right? In terms of like, well, what do we tend to, where, where, where do we, where do we cast our gaze and, mm-hmm. and why do we cast it there? And why is it not, this is a perhaps part of the ethical question, right? why, mm-hmm is it possible to really do this ethically? And I think he's found an answer by, with, with, with a version of Ant that he would like to see in 1991. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got a lot of interesting questions. He's trying to do some interesting things here, but I want to go through the way that he addresses these questions. Cause what he's doing here is he's saying, look, these are the three tasks at hand. Let's talk about what has to happen, right? And so I don't know, Barry. I guess this wasn't a part of any plan. But I'm gonna. I, I have questions, and I look to you and say, "You look like a guy with some answers." So,
1: yes, <laughs> questions. See how it goes. I tell you,
0: Not, there's nothing more gratifying than just say, "Hey, surprise!" <laughs> let's try this. So, let's try this. My first question for you: He's mm-hmm. talking about power, knowledge, how we know mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. and it seems to me that his response. I don't know if you took it this way. His response here, in isolation at least, was very unsatisfying. Right. Wait a minute.
1: You said that? (laughs) I said that.
0: Because he's basically saying, look,
1: Uh
0: we can't be relativists. We can't just be. Right, 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 right. We need some measure of certainty. Like we've got to agree on standards and that's a thing.
1: I slightly disagree with you on this,
0: but then he pivots.
1: Let, he well, says, I let me go back and slightly take take the very very slight issue with it, uh, your first formulation. Okay, now I'm not taking issue with what you said about relativism. How did you phrase it, Michael? Let me, I mean, I'm going to stop you right here. Go ahead and repeat how you phrase it, oh because God, I, was, I feel like I'm. Do, under you, the, do, you, do you remember how you phrase it? I, was I think nitpick, I said we it was an important nitpick, that, that we I'll need promise.
0: a measure of certainty. We can't be relativists.
1: Uh, that's okay. Thank you. That's what I was going to sort of nitpick here. Or and okay. rather than say I'm nitpicking, I'll tell you I had a slightly different read, and okay. I want to hear. I want to hear what you how you how you thought of it. I think he's more comfortable with relativism. I read it very slightly differently than you. I think he's more comfortable with relativism than you just suggested, if I heard you right. But in fact, he doesn't want to leave relativism. I think he wants to inhabit the position of a pragmatic relativist. But what he is saying, as I understood it, is he's having his cake and eating it too. Because he says, you know, I could be a relativist. But that doesn't mean I can't answer every question you have in an absolute manner. I thought he was kind of a well. This is column. kind of, yeah. This go is ahead, kind of I'll where it's go. going.
0: I I think so. And I I found the the passage here. But yeah, what he seems to be saying to me yeah. was, "Look, we need to make room for all sorts of perspectives. We do because there's just this basic level of like, well, this is how things get done. And if yes, we yes, all, yes, 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 if yes, we, yes, if we if yes, we all yes, agree yes. to get along. Then we're gonna make out just fine. Let's just be tolerant. Yes. And I guess. Do
1: you want to read a little of that passage, and we'll mock it? We don't you, have to mock it. I don't. But want to you mock You want to read a little of that passage? Anything? Um, because yeah, I think I'll, I'll read. Have, yeah, here I the have, Kumbaya. I have, do you have a marked? The Kumbaya I, I chapter uh, passage. Yeah.
0: Yeah, He says, I want to make two simple but closely related points that draw on uh, the relativism yeah. of STS. There we are. The first has to do with rules of method. As I have noted, the suggestion that rules of method epistemologies might vary as a function of social context was greeted with horror by many. The fear mm-hmm. was that if we abandon the ordering leviathan of the scientific method, then anyone could believe anything they wished. But my first point, this fear is unjustified. The fact that the rules of method vary between contexts, or indeed over time does not mean that we're in a position to believe anything we'd like. Neither does it follow that we will have no local conventions about how to go about producing good knowledge. Skip down a bit. The first point then is about standards. I can be a relativist and still note that I am, we all are, constrained and enabled by theories or practices about what should count as a satisfactory argument.
1: Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So that's why I was having my slight niggling disagreement there that he he really does want to have it both ways. He says, I'm a relativist and I know that horrifies some of you, very few of you, perhaps, but some of you might be horrified. But if you rightly consider what I mean by relativist, you realize that I, I, too, follow a code of conduct just like you do. And that code of conduct isn't too different from the code of conduct you follow. So don't well, be afraid of relativism
0: no, I, I think I, I I spoke carelessly there. I, I think what he was arguing is that there is no re, it, it's it's not arbitrary. We are held by standards, but that's the, right, quite, right But right, the right, question right. becomes, you mm-hmm. know, in, in short, to accept the epistemological uh, epistemological relativism and deny that there are universal standards is not to say that there are no standards at all.
1: There we go. So, and neither is it
0: to emphasize, or excuse me, neither is it to embrace moral or political relativism.
1: There you go. I, I'm not a Nazi. Let me just make it clear. How many times John does he say that? I wasn't going to draw attention to it, but you you trapped me, got me in a corner. But well, I I, I will. I'm not going to. I will. I'll, let's drop the Nazi bit. Uh, that's cutting too close to the bone for the contemporary reality. Let's just go back to the relativism argument. Uh, it does make me a little. I'm a little. Please, Dr. You read that last just the last sentence that you read one more time. Uh, that was precisely where I get a little heebie-jeebie-ish.
0: In short, to accept the reality of epistemological relativism, there you are. Yeah. And deny that there are universal standards. There you are. Is not to You've say done. that there are no standards at all.
1: Um, but wait a minute. Isn't that How's what a relativist that... is?
0: So that's that <laughs> I, did that's, I miss this, something here. This is where I get into I get I I have a little bit of a a moment, we'll say. I don't know what to do with that.
1: Well, I called it, and it may be unfairly, I called it having your cake and eating it too. I mean, I think it's one thing to say that I want to defend relativism and contingent knowledge because that's all we have. Mm-hmm. We don't have absolute knowledge. So I think well, there are two ways to defend relativism. There's, there is, and, and I'm familiar with one, and I find one very compelling, the argument that says, Uh, I'm defending, I'm putting forward the value of relativism because absolute knowledge is absolutely impossible. Right. And then you have a defense of relativism. But that's not quite what he's doing. He sort of reassures me that his relativism is just as binding and comforting "Quote unquote" as an absolute knowledge claim. And well, that's where, think in, that's where I get that's where I get I, a little weird. So I think that's it's, what I find
0: weird. I, I think his next move is an attempt to address this, and you would think that this is right up my wheelhouse because of my... Well, let's do it. But, but, I, but again, it. so he said the second question he addresses, he says, the second problem has to do has been to characterize the stuff that binds society together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is where his argument for STS really comes in. This really does. Where, we, well, he says, we are held together by heterogeneous means. And the fact, and then I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, the fact is that the social is not purely social at all and this is where he introduces the socio-technical relations right the the right. the argument that we have to in order to approximate or to approach some sort of complete knowledge right we have to account for technological indeed the, the technological aspects of our society the technological agents in our society
1: And this is a strong part of uh, Law's argument, getting back to the, you know, his he has a foot in both STS and sociology, but he wants to make criticism, loving criticisms about discourses. He feels that both sociologists and STS has, in a weird way, undervalued technology machines, has sort of othered. He talks about speciesism, I, mm-hmm. and I think this is a very interesting, very valuable contribution. That I, I, in case I've been too negative about law, so let me let me pivot and say something very positive, because um, th- this is a strong part of the, the essay, right? And a very important part of the essay. This sort of def- saying that both sociologists and even STS has sort of um, hasn't given enough credit or or. Has a tendency. I'll put it another way: has has a tendency to other the machine, to other technology, to think in terms of a binary opposition between human knowledge and machines. But here's where, and, machines.
0: and that I think that's a great point. And to be clear, I I think that Law is a super smart fellow, and I enjoy reading him. But I my concern with this is that, and again, this is sort of like the whole have your cake eat it too moment. If we include the technical aspect Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. society in the attempt to create a more complete, or in the the attempt to approximate a more, or approach a more complete knowledge, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that, you know, he talks about speciesism, right? Yeah, right, right. With the idea that any particular node in this network or grid is going to be static, and the answer to that is to say, well, these people, are, this this camp is here, this species is here, this species is here. The problem I have is that when you introduce the technological into this,
1: uh-huh.
0: he's looking at this, mm-hmm. and you know, again, we're looking at power and knowledge, right? So, so mm-hmm. epistemologically, how do we how wh- how what is our our basis and our jumping-off point for things? The problem is these, as partners in a knowledge and power system, are very much not static entities. They are mm-hmm. wildly dynamic. They are going to mm-hmm. take the form of whatever they need to take. If you think back, we had a discussion with Raymond Williams, and he's talking about technology, technological innovations being mm-hmm. answers to predetermined problems. Mm-hmm. that's great the minute that they are developed and released they now become dynamic things that when this is my um there it was like his, um William Gibson's 1979 rocket radio where he talks about the street finding uses for technology these are not I, I don't see how you can look at the tech the technological aspect of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and hope to pin it down if we're talking about epistemology Mm-hmm. and power because the these are dynamic to the point I, they're, they're too slippery
1: mm-hmm. but you know michael i think he's on is don't you think he's on your side in that oh probably i'm probably talking in circles right here no no, um, no, no but, i don't but, no i was not saying that but i i mean um you were mentioning this is uh, and this uh you grasped a, a kind of pivotal argument for him it's his quarrel with Marxism. Mm-mm. It's his quarrel with Barry Falk as well, but that's another story. <laughs> that um uh, you know, that he also believes that the social is not something that's a given, that the social is dynamic. And I, I, you know, I think that by introducing technology, he feels that's part of the dynamism of the social that he believes in. So I think your idea that. machines aren't static. I I don't think, I think he would take that as a very friendly amendment to what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's his reason. You know, he has the conversation about, Mm -hmm. about Edison Mm -hmm. and Edison as being someone who um, was able to understand the socio socio technical nature of the relations in terms of trying to get his Work to bear, right? And and so,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe. I mean, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't pushing it. I was just saying that it seems there are parts in his argument where uh, I think he would include. Dy- I mean, he's including dynamism certainly in his understandings of class. He's understanding. Dy- he wants to implement or incorporate a sense of dynamism his understanding of the human so i think that's kind of implicit in his idea about machines too so i i just don't think he's that antagonistic to it
0: no it's not it's i, I don't think it's antagonism and i don't i don't i guess what i'm saying is that mm-hmm. when he's not you know he's not talking about the machines in isolation
1: Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. talking
0: about the machines as an integrated aspect of the social, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His argument but is that it, is that and is that your quarrel? Well, a little bit because it's not. I mean, I think it's 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 he's right. Let let me say this: I'm not trying to to find fault mm-hmm. with this. He's right. You have the soci the sociologists working with the social,
1: right? And what right, he's saying is, right. hey,
0: these STS people. Work with the T, the technological, right? Right, and it's almost like maybe and they're here's aware my it's
1: dynamic, but I it, they're aware it's dynamic. But don't you yes, think? That? Yes, yes, like, no, absolutely. Yeah. I guess
0: yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, so I mean, no offense. This is a question. I'm truly asking this question. Huh. What's the need for the sociologists once we bring in the S T (laughs) S folks? Oh, is that where
1: you were going? I don't. I don't understand. That's a damn good question, Michael. You because left field on that. When I need to have another drink. I mean, I'm because I don't know. I well,
0: because the answer. The the answer for him, and I think, I think, I so so. Let me now. Let me take a crack at this. That I've that that I've asked it. Yeah. What he wants to. Achieve, yeah. By bringing the technical in, I feel <laughs> horrible for asking that question that way. But what he wants to achieve, essentially, right? Like we understand the technical is quantitative, right? We got a bunch of number crunching function. You know, we got math. We got right? math. What he wants is a qualitative. Correct. He wants a qualitative
1: socio-technical. And will not that destroy? Will that eat up, so to speak, sociology? But doesn't that? That's your does, point. Is, that's my question, that's though. Point. Does that is that yeah. what
0: we need sociologists for in this equation? God, I sound like an ass. I'm so. I'm not no, trying you, to be. You
1: don't sound like an ass. I think you. Um. I I think you. Um. I, I think that's a great insight. And now you. <laughs> But forgive me, you're making me, I, I think my only response to that insight. Now you made me see it. I can't unsee it. Okay. And okay. I'll have to say, uh, at least at this moment of our taping, that uh, you're you're making me feel that the underneath the Kumbaya uh, and amiable, the Kumbaya, amiable, um uh, you know, cool British e- empirical equipoise of John Law is a disciplinary monster, a disciplinary gangster. Because I really and, and I think he must know this too. Come on. I really don't have an answer to your question. If you get STS running and he wants to fix STS. Right. Mm -hmm. If you get that up and running, I think it is going to, in a sense, it's going to end up being sociology 2.0, 3.0. And maybe that's enough.
0: Maybe that's fine. Maybe what this really is, is just a little, hey, sociologists. It's not going to be fine for the sociologists,
1: my friend. What's that? It's not going to be fine for the sociology department. No, they're gonna to have to listen. share, they're gonna have to share office space. now. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's a kind of disciplinary. But so so then is, is
0: is 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 that what this is then? Is is this really an argument that says, look, sociology needs to evolve to account for the socio-technical because it is now um legitimately and well, inextricably a part of the culture that you have before now studied purely as the social?
1: Well, I didn't think of this going into our taping or recording, whatever the heck we're doing, whatever medium, We are We medium. are not following yeah. a script is what we yeah. are doing. Uh, I didn't think of this going into it, but now that, because I had read it, as I was describing at the beginning of the episode, I mm-hmm. wish we could rewind and do it over again, but we're not. No. Um, I was describing it as this, like I said, very peaceful, amiable act of bringing two different groups of scholars together to recognize their commonality and to fix their mutual problems. But I can't unsee what Michael Rapici made me see. So I have to say I have very little answer. I have no specific answer to the question of, what the sociologist can do, or needs to do, once you get STS up and running. Now, I ha- I'll add this: Law is very clear that STS circa 1991 has its problems. Let- mm-hmm. I'll try and I'll try and define that quickly. The major problem that he sees. Uh, um, I'll try and define that quickly if I can. Uh, he talks a lot about uh I don't I forget the name of the author, but the author is included in the collection. And this author wrote on Edison in a proto, it's not a full-fledged ant uh reading. Thomas of, Hughes. Thomas Hughes, thank you, sir. Um Hughes is now performing an ant thing, uh, an ant move on Edison, but he is doing a sort of history of science approach, uh, a socially informed history of Edison's contributions to science and technology uh, that is pays attention to the network rather than to the great man, the great inventor, Thomas Edison, uh, period. And in that sense, it's kind of anticipating or going where, where um, law wants STS to go. Now, STS, I'm gonna loop back around to your insight in a moment, but I'll just say this because this is an important part of the uh, introduction and we're not doing justice to the introduction if we don't mention it. He does have a quarrel with STS as much or or, or an, an idea of the limits of STS as much as he has an idea or offers a critique of sociology. And getting back to the Hughes study of Edison, many things the law, there are many things the law likes about it. What he worries about, however, he feels this is true of Hughes and even more so in most science and technology studies, he worries about the fact that even his beloved colleague, Bruno Latour, when he did his STS study of Louis Pasteur, he's starting with Louis Pasteur. And Hughes is talking about Thomas frickin Edison. So there is a way in which STS says may have the goal of talking about the network, but there's a curious way in which they end up doing weird crypto, weird, um, weird version, alternative reality versions of great men of history, histories, where like you know. So Law's question is, why do you have to stop with Edison? Why do you have to start with Edison? Why do you have to focus on Edison in order to talk about the network? And then he, you know, I think both law and Hughes seem to go into contortions in order to justify their choice, their their uh, original choice of Edison as a subject, you know. So is this is this a So this is a criticism. But once but I just want to just allow me to just to loop this back to what you were saying because I don't want to lose sight to your of your insight. So this is a criticism he has of STS and he elaborates it at length. This sort of tendency to begin and unfortunately kind of end with great man studies of uh, history uh, in the guise of STS. He wants to correct this tendency or curb this tendency and improve STS. But getting back to what you said, once STS does that, I think It will, in his view, it's not clear to me what sociology needs to do. So let's. Does that make sense? It does. And and if you want to return to your question, I didn't mean to interrupt your question. No, you're fine.
0: I, I, I think that the I understand that he's I understand what he's doing. I want to pause on it for a second and sure. move to number three, because the more we talk about this, the more I seem to be finding answers to questions in the rear view mirror. Okay. Um, so, his third question is the problem of distribution. And I think this gets to the question about STS and hero worship. And, 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 sort exactly, of the, right. The, I, I don't know, I'm, this is my term, not his. So, if it fits poorly, I'll own it, but sort of the sociological tendencies here that tend to privilege
1: the the, the human right the the the, the, the hero element
0: here um what is it is distribution for him
1: Mm -hmm.
0: really is that akin to or tantamount to just saying this is what is the scope of our investigation
1: no well to me no Uh,
0: um and by that i mean where are we casting our gaze like how
1: Well, maybe I don't understand your question. I I don't. I don't. So let me let me
0: say it this way then. How do you understand what he means by the problem of distribution?
1: I I struggle with that, and I come up against my my best answer to that uh, is the question of um, that the question of distribution of resources is fundamentally a question of equity and of ethics. And this is what I was referring to earlier, um, what I was thinking earlier, or behind my earlier statement that this is where he uses Foucault, that law uses Foucault in thinking about power and knowledge and discourses. But where he swerves from Foucault, or at least mid period Foucault, and certainly early structural Foucault, is that he seems to have, he seems to be raising ethical questions of, um, you know what is the right? What kinds? What kinds of? What is a just society? One that unjustly, inequitably distributes its resources. So the question of distribution, as I see it, is always a question of ethics. Like, um, and I'll, I'll just sort of answer it. The only way to know how, in reference to Edison, I think one of the reasons he's criticizing sts for beginning with edison and moving away from him but maybe not moving far enough away from him is that he feels that to privilege a single male actor mm-hmm. and he's aware of gender he's trying to incorporate a gender critique right yeah. so uh, so i it's not just the fact that it's a single actor that is getting on his ant nerves. It's also the idea that this, that Hughes' study inadvertently puts a privilege.
0: It reifies for, power.
1: Reifies power. Yeah. And
0: you answered answer so, my question.
1: So maybe, so when we- Talking okay, about so. Edison reifies power. And, to, and, and he raises the question, law raises the question of distribution because he wants to say, it's not right to reify power.
0: Right. We are talking essentially about the distribution of power.
1: Indeed, indeed. Okay. Indeed.
0: So I found, I think, I think I found what we're looking for. So if I may. Please. He says, though the visions that drive the contributions to this volume are varied, I think sociotechnically, all that is are concerned with heterogeneity. They are concerned with overlaps, with how it is that different things that are brought together with how it is that differences and similarities are constructed and hmm. they are concerned with how those similarities and differences are sustained for the question of maintenance is crucial and i want to get back to this idea all right. of maintenance all right um no one thing no thing no class no gender can have power unless unless a set of relations is there constituted and held in place there we are. A set of relations that distinguishes between this and that distribution, and then goes on to regulate the relations between this and that. Skips down a bit. The argument then is that power, whatever form it may take, is recursively woven into the intricate dance that unites the social and the technical. So I think yes. he's looking at Hughes and he's looking at the study of Edison, and he's saying, okay, this is really good because we're looking beyond the man. But the problem is we come, as you had
1: said, back to the man. Back and to the man. So I think Because that's where we started. Right. That's really why we started and where we started. And right. so this, I think,
0: for, and this is why I had said earlier, I think about he wants a qualitative version of Ant uh-huh. because uh-huh. what Ant allows him to do uh-huh. is to move beyond Edison. Indeed, right to say this is this is this is what it looks like if you zoom out and you decenter the traditional locus of power. Indeed,
1: indeed, indeed.
0: But the problem is Uh that, as Latour reminds us, as Law reminds us in other work, Ant doesn't tell you anything other than who's playing the game at any particular time. Here are the actors involved, and so I don't. And maybe this well, gets my friend.
1: Us... Well, my friend, laws at odds with himself because well, I'm wondering it... if
0: this gets us back to that question about what binds society together, right? This is mm. about um what we do with sociology, and mm. I think maybe this is the great hope for sociology.
1: Michael, I think we're going to answer that question. You're going to reread go ahead and reread what you just read about maintenance and distribution. Cause I think that passage has the answer to the question you raised about okay. what, what is law doing? What is law up to here? Yeah.
0: yeah. I think here he's, he's, he's on a beeline for, yeah. well, let me just, let me just read it for the question of maintenance is crucial. No Indeed. one thing, no one, Comma, no thing, comma, Mm -hmm. no class, no gender can have power unless a set of relations is constituted and held in place. Let me pause for just a second.
1: Yes, because I and I want to pause too. So take a pass, and then I have a pass. I'll take. This is the argument for sociology. The this
0: is an or not the this is an argument. I got excited. Tell me, me.
1: tell me me what? No, well, no, I wasn't taking because if we're talking
0: about individuals and mm-hmm. things and classes and genders and power
1: oh we're talking about groups and we so are, therefore
0: we need sociology i got we it. need sociology it. to have okay. these discussions great point so in a way it's like we need this to understand i but again
1: i feel like i'm Look just throwing
0: dirt on sociology we need this to understand what's not working
1: yeah okay uh but good your, point your You're that's up. a good point i was going to return it Uh, because i i wanted you to stop after that sentence because that sentence to me is talking about that to me is kind of the core of what law is doing in this introduction and i will add this before i i elaborate i do feel that It's a slightly different law who's writing in this introduction from the law that you and I discussed earlier, because I do feel that he makes ant-like moves throughout here. But at the end, and you're reading a passage near the close of the introduction, he gestures outside of the ant framework, because now I'm going to return very concretely, I hope, to that passage you read. He says, in his redefinition of the social, what he's basically saying in the sentence you just read is this. At any given moment, here's the reason why you have to interrogate the Foucauldian idea that power and knowledge are together and don't ask the ethical question. Instead, look at the ways in which power as a discourse circulates and circulates through society. Um, Not that that's a bad question. Far from it but it's not enough because law in this introduction wants to raise what I think are primarily, again, I'll say it, ethical questions, moral questions. Uh, for a relativist, he's agitated by morality because what is the what he's basically saying, here's my interpretation of the two sentences you read. What he's basically saying is that it is arbitrary, the distribution at any a distribution of power, knowledge of power in particular, and of resources at any given moment in a society. It is arbitrary. It is arbitrary. Who has what? It's fundamentally arbitrary. It's not built into nature that rich people are rich and that poor people are poor. He's saying at any given moment, the idea of the the distribution of power is something that is arbitrarily achieved, but what's the word he uses? Maintenance. Maintenance. Because it is arbitrary, and by the way, unjust in law's view, because it is arbitrary, because the distribution of power and resources is both arbitrary and unjust, what you have to do if you're in power is you have to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. And in order to maintain the status quo, you gotta work at it. And with the sociologists that you want to bring back into the equation, Dr. Rapici, what the sociologist does is sort of tell you, tell us at any given moment, how power elites manage to fix and maintain the unequal distribution of authority. That's on resources. That's what I think is going on in that passage. So sociology has this critical function. I get it. Well, I don't know. Do do I answer? Did I really answer your question? I don't know. But I, no. I, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking that um, again. He's trying to. He's making a fundamental, uh, fundamentally immoral call. call. And I had to say, can you? I'm he's a making surprised. a fundamentally
0: what? A fundamentally what?
1: Fundamentally, a moral judgment, a moral call, he's appealing to morality is what I mean. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I'm surprised at that I have to say I'm a little surprised. Why? Because I don't, I, I thought, well, as you mentioned in this essay, all of a sudden he says, I want to have a quant qualitative ant. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how you do that. By thinking about questions of power, knowledge, distribution, equity. Uh, well you but-
0: need you need an a version of actor network theory. You need a you need a version of interrogating these systems and these mm-hmm. these contexts mm-hmm. that allows you to move beyond the purely social. But you have to have a value judgment to them. It cannot just be There you go. A question of
1: uh you know uh agency or participation you, you described it perfectly yeah. that's what's going on at the end i i felt that most of the introduction was sort of taking me through epistemology critique mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden uh he he made that that was a marvelous summary of what i think is going on in the, in the last bit of it and you just did it much more precisely than i did this idea that uh um, he fundamentally says you have to make the moral judgment the ethical judgment in order to uh in order to did you say to bring it to a close to to orient yourself I think no I think it's basically orienting yourself right orienting the study so getting the bearings this. on the study
0: let me yeah. let me ask let me ask you this as as you and I sit here now this mm-hmm. is 32 years old
1: mm-hmm
0: Right. So, what happened? Did we get it? Like, I'm my, the question that my mind instantly jumps to mm-hmm. is, okay, we have one. Are these gaps that necessitate overlaps mm-hmm. still a thing, or now do we look at the socio? Do we look at the social? In in instinctively as the mm-hmm. socio-technical, and these questions of epistemology and distribution and social relations hmm. are they still see, I don't think we ever answer these questions. I think it's it we're we're Sisyphus here, right like we're we're pushing the ball up the hill just to watch new things happen and push us further down and then we you know begin our journey again um so I don't think that these are ever resolved. My question is mm-hmm how have these things evolved and um you know so i look at this and it's like the the distinction between the social and the technical to me at this point is not it's virtually non-existent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you have uh technical what you have you have technology convincingly acting uh in in ways that are virtually indistinguishable from from the human at this point mm-hmm. you know the idea of the cyborg is not mm-hmm. fantastical or you know even plausible it is so far beyond the norm at
1: this point mm-hmm. it, it, it it is a it is our starting point mm-hmm. um it's even his even back in the day he, he says that you're not human did you really find your way quoting here did you really find your way through last week without machines of course not he writes in 1991 and you yeah and, car and machine and now so he, he kind of had an inkling of that and he there. was right he was right i mean now if i'm
0: driving along and i'm not paying attention my car stops for me or tells me where sure, to go sure, you sure. know so these these questions i guess if if we look at this
1: mm-hmm.
0: is this still like are, are these still the same questions to
1: ask or we ask or, or, or well it sounds like you're saying they're not that but but I'm but I guess I have a question for you. Why do you feel there are no longer questions? Is because uh, it seems it seems you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems what you're saying is, um, it's not even an argument to say that the social and the technical are intertwined. Uh, it's become even more the case. So doesn't that make law uh, a profit of uh, 2023? Oh, unquestionably. I'm not saying that the
0: questions aren't relevant. The questions mm-hmm. are certainly, and mm-hmm. I, but I think these are enduring questions. I'm saying that mm-hmm. the starting point is saying, hey, uh, we really could do well if we bring sociologists and STS people together so that maybe we could find a more equitable way or a more productive way uh-huh. Uh-huh. of negotiating these questions. I, am not a sociologist i'm it's not my that's not my sandbox but i can't imagine a situation where you could approach questions like this without accounting for the tech for the socio-technical mm-hmm. i don't need mm-hmm. I, I think socio-technical is the default term would have to be the default term and so you know i, w- I would ask um you know if I, I would i would love to hear sociologists response to this because It seems like he got, he was right. That's my point, I guess. He was dead right in this. And
1: so the disciplinary, I mean, maybe. But do we have
0: qualitative ant yet? See, I don't think so. I don't, I think, I think the questions are great. I just don't know that active network theory has evolved to account for what he's ultimately hoping for, which is maybe why the questions are still relevant. And I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, no. It's not you. No, I was pondering. I, I wasn't holding my mouth. Uh, I was holding my mouth, uh, dear viewer, uh, if you were able to view. Um, but it was not because Dr. Rapici silenced me. He made me things uh, to ponder a couple of things. I, I was wondering if whether or not the sociologists may have, and I was positing, you know, an hour ago, how long we've we been talking. Uh, I was positing an hour ago. Uh, or a while back that there was a kind of disciplinary sleight of hand going on here and that the, that he's trying to annex sociology to laws trying to annex sociology to sts but maybe maybe i'm thinking about your question about the intervening years maybe it's happened maybe maybe everybody has drifted along this ways and sociologists would say yeah yeah we're doing sts of course we're doing sts I that doesn't so. necessarily answer the question of, but but you you just asked a more specific question of, do we have a qualitative ant? That's a slightly different question. Mm-hmm. Than, I don't think we do. So what 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 would it take to have a qualitative? Who's gonna? Well, first off, Dr. Rapici, who's gonna do it? Who do you think is gonna do the? Who does the Law want to do the qualitative STS? Is it going to well, be SDS people or the sociologists or anyone? Well, I think you it? just
0: said it. I think this is, this is, this is interdisciplinary. I think this is open. So it's
1: interdisciplinary. So it's going to be open to it because variety I think it has
0: to, it it, it, right? it has to be, how can you trace like the big advantage that actor network theory offers you to my mind mm-hmm. is the ability to incorporate non-human actors into networks for a more complete rendering of the network. And it helps us overcome certain biases in interpreting the nature of the network.
1: I agree. But what you just said has nothing to do with qualitative. It's more scientific. That's my point. It does not allow, however, for... That, and and the this, ethical I, import or all this stuff about ethics and distribution. Right. Because the, na- and, the, na- the yeah. nature
0: of these networks is that there is no center. Yeah, yeah, and if you yeah. don't have a center, then it's very hard to yeah. have a qualitative valuing of anything. Yeah. So I I, I mean, it's, it's, it's.
1: Yeah. Not, yeah. Well, I, I know. I think, I think you answered your question. and answered the question very well. I think that if. And I do think uh, he, I I think you also very well articulated Law's goal for Ant that he wants to describe, he wants to subordinate the human, um, if that means a better rendering of the network. But I, I do think that's his epistemological goal. It's his goal for the production of knowledge. But how does that necessarily entail uh, the ethical questions or include the ethical questions he's raising? I'm not so sure.
0: I don't know. I've reached. Uh, <laughs> have, have we
1: reached the brave a brain, I've, uh, brain I've reached, death? I um, I've, re- I've reached the end of my. Um, well, I'm getting a, a sort of weird caffeine high that's kicking in right now, and so I have one more thing to add. But okay. If- but um, or this is just going to be the crotchety Marxist moment, and we'll end with a crotchety Marxist moment. uh now there, and we've referred to it several times, and I'll try to keep the crotchety Marxist moment to a brief moment, but I'll, I'll give it a moment. We at several we refer to it several points in this podcast. We referred to. Um, Laws insistence that the social is not something that's pre-given. That the social is something that is distributed in dynamic ways, and therefore has to be maintained actively. Um, so that that's part of what he wants to do. What he, his goal for Ant is to be able to that he wants Ant to describe this process of distribution maintenance and these dynamic elements in suitably dynamic various ways so there's that uh at several points he says this, he insists unlike other theorists like marx and that's why i said it's the crotchety marx moment uh he really is post-marxist in saying the social is not something pre-given I think the problem though, and and, you know, so so therefore, since the social is not pre-given, we have to find a way of counting for the social in its dynamic configuration and reconfigurations. Wonderful. But he also wants, at least in this introduction, to bring up ethics and Mm -hmm. to raise the question of social justice. One advantage I would say, I I won't say that it's better or worse, but I will say, a salient point of Marxism, an advantage that Marxism would have. Actually, um, if you want to take the ethical turn, as he does, and you want to get post called and you take the ethical turn, um, he sort of says, I don't want to be a Marxist though. Cool, fair enough. But Marxism, I would say, allows him, would allow law a way to get to the ethical question because it would say, it has an answer, to the question of what's the social. It would say the social is currently constituted by class struggle. And the reason you have class struggle is because you have an unequal distribution of things that's being maintained. Now, I'm not gonna say that uh, John Law needs to convert to Marxism or even talk about it in terms of conversion. But I would say that Marxist discourse, and I could probably think of other Discourses of value. Ironically, this is a Marxism, although it has this reputation as being sort of, which Marx himself is responsible for, of being sort of anti-moralistic or anti-bourgeois morals. In a way, by positing the social, Marx at least posited the social as a realm of conflict. And that's, you know, he did say the social was a given, but it's a dynamic given. It's a realm of conflict. It's a fight. It would explain, it would, uh, Marxism would allow him to raise the question of unethical distributions of resources in a way that Ant, I, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see it, ant, ant offering this. No. Advantage.
0: No. But again, I think that just because you can't find it, doesn't mean it's not a question worth asking and it doesn't mean oh no a of course not Of course not. Happen.
1: absolutely not absolutely um, no yeah of course all right well barry i'm gonna uh well, what got, are we gonna I, do we're gonna throw our computers off the cliff or are we, uh, well you can't because it'd be think. like
0: throwing your favorite child <laughs> off a cliff we're all we're all exactly no we're all i'm not gonna this throw, together i'm
1: not throwing my laptop off. i will do no such no, thing
0: no. No. um barry's always thank you this was this was interesting
1: um i sense disappointment in your voice are you disappointed
0: you know i feel like every now and then we what do we do wrong what do we do wrong here i i feel like yeah i feel like the kid is running away from home he's like i'm leaving i'm leaving and i run off in a fit and i just come around the other side of the cul-de-sac and come back home and i'm like
1: okay i'm back i was i never really meant it dr rapici welcome to critical media studies podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's what we do best right around in circles Until next time, my friend. (laughs) I look forward to our next little lap (laughs) around the track, Barry. Thank you so much. Been a pleasure. Take care. (laughs) Good night. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com.